Hey guys, welcome to Pressing On, a podcast where we'll be looking into truths for guys as we live on this journey of life. I'm your host, Scott Lessing, men's pastor at Grace Church in Middleburg Heights, Ohio. And Pressing On is for guys who want to go deeper as we seek God, all the while finding practical insight to live differently. We will look into real life and talk through how to grow while becoming an improved version of ourselves. This month, we're gonna be talking about going back to the scene of the crime to figure out what happened. Why might you be struggling today and how to take steps to improve who you are simply by looking at the scene of the crime. So, Jordy Vickery. Hello. Chris Meekins. Oh yeah. <laughs> Smooth. Smooth talker. You know, Chris made this his ringtone. He's really into I it. I do. I'm, I'm going for it. It's, his wife That's asked funny. us to talk to him. It's yes. <laughs> she's like, hey, while you're up there in Cleveland, can you talk to Chris about... Well, what's happening? Speaking of that, how's Florida? Florida's great. Um, it's been really encouraging. We're down there doing a sabbatical. My wife, is. Uh, last week she said that uh, she's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back to work. Yeah, I was wow. like, well, you can come to work for me. She's like, I'm ready to do ministry. And it was a cool thing because uh, we're, we're, we're really getting involved in some of the stuff down there. But she's, she's rested. God refreshed her. And so uh, we're, we're, in a, we're in a great place. So your so, souls are healthy. Our soul is healthy. Uh, it, life is good. And uh, we just feel like the Lord has just really answered our prayers. That's awesome. How about you, Jordy? I just learned from Chris that I'm going to use the word sabbatical for, instead of vacation the rest of my life. Because I looked at him, I'm like, that's so spiritual. It is. That is it great. is. It's, that's the highlight of my... I'm like, I tell people, like, I'm going on vacation to Mexico. I'm no. just going to be like, I'm going on a sabbatical. Yes. That's awesome. That, that's... And when you come back to say, my soul is so rested. Yeah, I'm so refreshed. So refreshed. I'm the refreshed. Lord has met me. Glory. <laughs> okay, we're going off. How about you, Scott? What's going Things are things are really good, man. I think the highlight for me recently is my kids were on this retreat with Jordy and the youth group, and uh, both my kids encountered God in a really cool way. And Mo and I encountered God last night. We had this amazing uh, worship night here, just a you know just a random worship night, right? Okay. We do that periodically, and we both just I don't know. We met God in a really cool way. We've been talking about it for the last twenty four hours, and it's just it's been really really amazing. So, what do you mean about uh, going back to the scene of the crime? In your introduction. Yeah, so, well, let me explain it this way. Uh, when I was an athletic trainer and I was doing physical therapy, we worked, we had one of our surgeons that we had on staff was, he worked with diabetic feet. Just, um, if you're eating right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, yes. Hit pause. Don't, what I'm already saying <laughs> like, for the next couple story. minutes. Like the TV show. <laughs> you may want to send your kids out of the room right now. Yeah. So, hmm. um, it, one of our surgeons was, a, he worked with diabetic foot ulcers. And what he would do is, you know, the this ulcer, this wound would um, need to be packed with this medicated patch and you'd put a cast around it. They'd walk around on the cast for a week. They'd come back and you'd take everything off and throw away the, the disgusting patch and then trim off some healthy skin and then do it all over again. And you do that over the course of like 8, 10, 12 weeks and this wound gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, this one patient comes in and, oh, my role was to take off the cast and prep everything for the doctor to come in and take a look at it, trim it, and make okay. it better, right? So, right. so this patient comes in, and she has a, a garbage bag over her cast on her foot. And immediately you're like, hmm, that doesn't, that doesn't look right, <laughs> right? And it's summer, 
And so I'm thinking maybe it just got a little stinky and everything else. And so she didn't talk much. She walks in and you could just like you, you could just see on the look of her, of her face that something was wrong, hmm. but she didn't tell us. Right. And so I cut the bag off and immediately started dry heaving. It was it was the smell was horrendous. So this wasn't like you ran out of the room and dry heave. This was like in front of yeah, her. Yeah, right in front of her. <laughs> Felt bad about it. But I take off the cast and it it's like something bad happened. It like, everything was like black. Poop. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So this woman, the day that we put the cast on her, she it was it was summer. And she had an accident, and it was diarrhea, and she stood up to walk to the bathroom, and it all slid down and went right down into the cast. And it's this diabetic wound, right? Like, it can get really infected from this. And rather than call us right away and come in, she was embarrassed. And so she just waited an entire week until her next appointment. And when she came in... You know, now she tells us the story of what happened, and she was very embarrassed and probably filled with shame sure. and everything else. Yeah, and it's so sad. And so, what you know, the going back to the scene of the crime, like what happened, what caused it to smell this bad? Why? I mean, you can obviously see it once you take the cast off, but before that, you're like, why is she coming in with this bag? And but even why did she wait a week? And you go back to the scene of the crime, and there was immediate embarrassment, shame, and she she didn't know what to do, and she thought, well, it, it's probably not that bad. I can just wait a week. Well, it got so bad for her that she couldn't even stand the smell. She had to put a garbage bag around it, right? And so you can imagine how infected that wound was. And so it was really bad and surgery and everything else. But when you go back to the scene of the crime, that's where you find the the evidence. The scene of the crime is the moment that the accident happened. Correct. And the wrong decision was made. Correct. Right. Right. And and so you go back and, and you find the evidence not only of what happened, but like this woman, we, we all have to go back and find out what happened in our lives. What's what's causing us to act a certain way or think a certain way or respond a certain way. And for her, you know, taking a real look at the mess and laying it, you know, before it was us, the medical staff, but we would say, let's lay it before God. You know, why did she wait so long before calling the office? She She should have come in immediately to clean up the mess and clean out that wound and create this environment for healing to take place. And she wouldn't have had to have surgery. This woman was so embarrassed and completely ashamed of what happened. So she just wrapped this bag around it and covered it up so that she wouldn't almost like to ignore what happened. Like, I'm just going to ignore it and wait a week. It'll be fine. Right. And in our lives today, we do the same thing, don't we? Hmm. We do. We do. Why are we so upset? Why are we so calloused? What gets under your skin more than anything else? As as we go back to the scene of the crime, may we actually ask not just what happened, but even deeper, what happened with me and God? Yeah. And and so we have God as this source of really like life and healing. If there's a mess, we should bring it before him, but there's often a moment where we choose another direction. I think the rich young rulers very much mm. to use this language, almost like a look at the crime scene yeah. in this in this young man's life, right? Like he approaches Jesus while Jesus is on earth and he's like, what do I have to do that I may have eternal life? You know, and Jesus is like, follow the commandments. And it was supposed to be a segue into like, oh, it's a burden I cannot bear. And Jesus is like, that's why you need me. But he's like, no, I, I've done it, you know? And Jesus is like, all so, right. So wait, wait, the young ruler says what to Jesus? I've done what? 
Like oh, I've, I've met kept all the commands. I've kept all the commandments. All right. Yeah, I'm good. And Jesus is like, well, I, I know what he loves more than me. I know what's holding him back. And so he asks the question, he says, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And when the young man hears this, he goes away sorrowful. And so Jesus is like, all right, come follow me. I'm going over here. And it's like, oh, I'm not going over there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And th- that's a, I think, great example of a crime scene. I, I just pooped in my cast. I don't want to go back to the doctor's office. <laughs> don't you? Right. <laughs> yeah. And the crime scene isn't the accident. It's the right. I'm going to distance myself and not take this next step. Yeah. Which is which is really what we're talking about. We're yeah. talking about doing life, and you know, you, you you look at the different areas of life. You look at like a twelve step program. What step are you on? And, and they'll tell you their their steps are in order for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people will get to a, a certain step, and they're saying, "I just don't want to do that." Usually, it's uh, taking a personal inventory. Yeah, we'll just we'll just use that as an example. So. Guys going on, yes, I got a, a, a drug problem or I got an alcohol problem or I got a porn problem, and they admit it. That's that's the most important one. But then you you know you have to give it to God, and then you have to uh, ask God to set you free and all, all that. But then the next step is to take a personal inventory of yourself, and people are just so afraid of that because they're afraid, as in your cast, what they're going to see, mm. and they're they're afraid that they're going to see something. Or they're going to have to admit something that they really have held to a titan. So they'll just stop growing. Yeah. And it's really like, I think, you know, God makes the staircase and calls us up it. And he takes that journey with us. And sometimes we hit a certain step and we, it's almost like we want a different path. You know, I, um, I, I was homeschooled for some time and one of my close friends was as well. And he went to college and he just socially, the guy was, did really well for himself. The, the only like quirk or thing that I feel like he kind of retained from that experience was his mom's just a super sweet lady named Betsy. She would, if he really didn't like like a writing assignment, she'd give him a different prompt. And so when he got to college, he would get a writing assignment and he would come back to the teacher and say, I mean, this happened like four times and he would say, Hey, Miss, you know, so and so, I am um, not really feeling inspired by this prompt. Could I have another one? I know <laughs> the papers serious? due in like two weeks. Oh, and like d- dead serious, full expectation of like, oh, yeah, here, what would you like to write about? And the teacher would say no. It was, <laughs> and so, so it's like he was given a path and he asked for a different one. The answer was no. And he, I like, the, he would, he would flip. Like absolute, like he'd be yelling at his computer in his dorm room, <laughs> venting to all of us about the like crazy domineering professor, and like I'm, Who I'm just like, it for him. I'm yeah. like, I switched to the public school system in like sixth grade. I'm like, this is my life, and for a lot of homeschooled parents, they're like, yeah, that was my mom, you know, and. I think we do that with Jesus. Is sometimes we like, it's like, what's that next step, you know? Right. Oh, it, oh, is it finances? What is it that I want you to be obedient to me? And sometimes we just stop, and then we wonder, where where did my relationship with God go? How yeah. did I stop growing? When did I when did I feel so separated from God? It's like, well, remember when you were walking on that path and you said, "I won't go any further." Right. 
your relationship with God is probably waiting right where you left it, right on the step you left it on. Yeah. And 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 it, if you go back in time, you say, okay, what what went wrong? What happened? And 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 where did, where did this go? And so it, it takes a little bit. I, I can think of one story with my um, my mother in law. She's she's passed away now. But she was a smoker, and and they became Christians later in life. And so they were getting involved and everything, but she'd, she'd have to stand out and back smoke because, you know, God forbid she'd have to quit smoking. And she didn't want anyone to see her doing and, it. And she didn't want to see. And nobody was saying you have to quit smoking. I mean, you don't, pastor used to say, uh, smoking doesn't keep you out of heaven. It may get you there faster, but it doesn't, <laughs> but it doesn't keep you out of heaven. So, so that, that was Pastor Donald, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's cut. I think backstory. She knew that for her it was sin. Like she felt right. conviction. Well, was she gone. was she was saying, "I need to quit smoking, but I can't." And now I'm embarrassed in front of these people. And so there was a day that we believe the Holy Spirit was saying, "You need to quit smoking," because that's how that's how God wants you to change. Yeah. He's asking you to change, not Scott, not Jordan, yeah. not Chris. God's asking you to change, and so she's like, "I'm not going to do it." So I'm not going to go to these people's house. I'm not going to fellowship. And she ended up becoming, you know, locked down in her house from that point on because she didn't want to quit smoking. So she picked smoking over a relationship in the in the body of Christ, kind of like the rich young ruler. Right? Yeah. So going back to the scene of the crime for your mother-in-law, it was the the step that she refused right. to step on. Right. Was give this over to the Lord, like give that smoking thing. And let God just work on you. Right. And he, he will it. set you free. And if yeah. you, we talk to guys all the time, they're like, well, yeah, I, I don't understand why I'm not growing. Well, because God's kind of told you to, you know, quit doing porn or quit, you know, doing whatever. And it's whatever. not just addiction stuff. I mean, that's what Chris, you and I, yeah. we do. We can with relate to stuff, that, right? Yeah. But it could be anger. It could be anything that we're dealing with today that's going on around our world today. But it, it could be anything. Contr- it could be a troll what, issue. What are some of the things that yeah. maybe parents of youth deal with? I don't see the steps that I'm that I'm unwilling to step on, but you see them in in me. Like you see what parents like where where they might be struggling. I think one thing I'd love to say to the parent one, it's just a general statement, is like I promise you that your kids see your complacency. And I think that's the scariest thing. Like for me to become a parent, I think it's terrifying is like your kids might not understand like details and see everything in your marriage or thing like that, anything like that, but they can see your spiritual temperature. Hmm. And I remember realizing in high school that I was more surrendered to God than my parents and it felt lonely. And I don't want to. I don't want to guilt anyone, you know, just because your students on a spiritual high or something like that. But I think that that's really one that I would say to parents is sometimes we really want to just pick a step that's good enough instead of running after Jesus. And I think just think of the generational impact. Like, what would it mean for your kids and family to be all in? Well, and speaking of which, we have a podcast here at Grace Church for parents of students. It's called How Is School? Yeah. A little unshamed plug for our friends Josiah and Michael. But um, but yeah, I mean, like that's, that is that is something that I think parents struggle with, and we don't even see it, the complacency in our own journey. So what do you think happens when you get to that step? So here's, here's what, kind of why you're saying that. Uh, you know, what do you think makes people stop at one spot on their journey to follow Christ? What do you think happens? 
I think it can be all kinds of things. I know for me, I had this relationship in high school, like a dating relationship, and it started out great. Like it was, it was healthy. We were both running after Jesus. We were friends first, like, and, and there, there was like a yellow flag and then a red flag and it, things were really like starting to go downhill. And th- there were things that happened that I would have told any of my friends to get out. And I was like that guy too, like in the group who would be like, oh, it's time, man, you've got to end <laughs> things. And, and so what I did is I didn't tell anyone any of the red flags. I painted this picture of what I wanted the relationship to be, but just left certain things out, you know? And so there were moments where I remember um, playing electric guitar for a worship set at a school. And I just knew like God was speaking to me the whole time. Like, you're not obedient to me Hmm. and you're leading people to worship me. And like, I could feel it the whole session. It's all I could think about. And there was a missions trip I went on in the whole week. Like in my heart, that was the theme of the week. Like, are you like you, you were obedient to me and coming to this country and doing this labor. What about when you get home? Like, are you going to, are you going to walk out of that relationship? And I remember like wrestling with that the whole time and just thinking like no I'm going to I'm going to please both at the same time. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to keep the relationship. I'm going to make it honor God. And I just knew in my heart like I'm not saying everyone needs to end every relationship, but I knew in my heart that it was sin for me not to. Mm. And I refused and like my relationship with God for those years, I might have like got more knowledge, you know? Like I was on this I was planning to go into ministry, all of that, but my actual like proximity to God, I wasn't getting any closer because he was walking down the path saying, come on. And I'm just like, uh, 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 can we stay here for a while? Like, I don't want to grow more. I don't want you to prune my heart more. Can we stay here? Mm. And God's like, come on, you know, come on, come on. This is what it looks like, you know? And I think that's a picture, you know, change the situation, change the idol, the thing that we're choosing over God. But I think that's a picture of what it often looks like. How about for you, Chris? Is there like an area of your life that you could look back? I had a story planned, but I, I, as Jordy was talking, I felt uh, convicted, you know, (laughs) and now I'm going to jail. I was convicted. No, that's a Christian term for you non-believers that are listening. I don't know what it means. But anyway, there was was a time that um, we we were in financial trouble. Uh, I was making more money than I ever made in my life, and we were... We were giving it away, hmm. and but we were we were giving sacrificially, but we weren't living sacrificially, and so we had to make some hard decisions, and so I I made a decision that I was going to just uh, uh, I was going to God was kind of giving me a path to go down, but I didn't like it. Hmm. This was the step that He was taking, so I tried to jump over the step, and just try to miss it. And all that happened was I hit ice on the step before, and I fell all the way down to the bottom of the stairs. Wow. And go ahead. Oh, that just—you see, Chris saw my eyes, and he was like, "What? <laughs> what is going I, on?" I don't want to lead us down a rabbit trail, but I actually, one of my coworkers and I talk about this all the time. I think that when you see extremism in Christianity, yep. like maybe someone gets extremely into spiritual gifts out of nowhere, and I'm not saying like 
being into any specific thing a lot is bad. But a lot of times when you see someone jump on these extremism trains, it's actually them skipping a step. Like I'm not going to be obedient with my sexuality, but I'm going to be the crazy sold out and worship person, or I'm going to be the this, or I'm going to serve here. And so I'm going to double down in one area. I'm going to shoot so many scriptures at you, you won't, you're going to drown. Yeah. Or I'm going to become like ultra spiritually conservative. And I don't, you know, I, I want to see people dressing modestly. I want to see, and it's like, it, it's like, what step? What's your stare? You know mm-hmm. that you're trying to double down on this next one and somehow reach this level of spirituality in some like pseudo quasi way without going through the step. And so it's easy to talk about now. Fifteen years later, yeah. we filed for bankruptcy, and God was like, "Don't do it, don't do it," and I did it. And you what mean, ha- fi- don't file for bankruptcy? Yeah, God was just telling me there's nothing wrong with it. You know, so so we did that, and and the illustration that God gave me in my mind was. I was going to help you climb this wall. I was going to help you on this mm. step. But you took a sledgehammer and you broke it into tiny little pieces. And now you're going to spend the next 10 years picking up pieces because you didn't do it my way, wow. including ruining my best friend relationship. And so the, the issue it goes to is that when I look back to see what happened is I just didn't want to do the hard work. I didn't want to do that. And so that's yeah. what's going back to the scene of the crime yeah. is for me. You know, for me, when I was younger, I I, I was very misunderstood as a kid. I, I don't think I understood myself, obviously. but And again, um, yesterday, but go ahead. <laughs> but I was super sensitive. I was also very competitive, but also very compassionate. It was this weird mix. I hated to lose, but I uh, and I hated to look back at why I lost. But um, my parents, as most parents, they struggled – just trying to figure me out um, as I was trying to figure myself out. But but my parents loved me really well. But there were a few people in my life who, I, I would say it this way, that they devalued me and they, they made me feel unloved. Whether they did or not, I'm not sure, but I felt unloved right. and devalued by them. And this was happening around the same time that I was starting to look at porn for the first time, which is when I was around 12. And there was this weird translation of when I would feel not valued or not loved or not important, I would turn and look to porn because it, that's what was happening at the scene of the crime at that time in my life. And I obviously I didn't understand any of this. Until We're going to have to have another podcast about stuff like that because that's really yeah, that's I mean, deep it's, stuff. It's man. really deep stuff. But then you know, fast forward, you know, in college, I, I did this all through high school and college, and I was feeling not valued and not loved often, as I think a lot of high school and college students do. And I went to porn often. And then my girlfriend, when I was a freshman in college, my girlfriend died very tragically. And I was a mess. I mean, I was a wreck. And my struggle with porn became full-blown. And, you know, four years later, I find myself engaged to this girl. And then I come to know Jesus. And everything changes in my life, right? And this girl... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, By the way, that was the uh, millennial that left his phone on ring. (laughs) It's just sharing with you. Go ahead. But, you know, this girl, she didn't want what I wanted in life. She didn't want Jesus. She didn't want to pray with me. So we broke off our engagement, and my addiction became full-blown, controlling a lot of my life. And I was so low in feeling valued, and I I wasn't known by anyone because I was a fake at the time. And now every time someone even would just look at me cross-eyed, they would look at me the wrong way, I, I would immediately go to porn. Right, and so here I was. I was still struggling with this porn addiction. Um, God was calling me all along to leave this addiction and find my value and worth 
in him because of who he was in my life, but I had no idea how to do it. And because I was a fake, I didn't want to admit this, the struggle that I had. And so, you know, here I am, I'm struggling. I have no idea how to do it. And I go back to the scene of the crime and I figure out what in the world was causing this sin problem. And it wasn't that I was just a guy who couldn't control myself. It was bigger than that. Right. And, and, but see, I, I was ashamed, right? Right. I lived in this shame and I, I thought, oh, it's because I'm I'm a mess or, you know, I didn't know what was going on. But once I figured out what happened at the scene of the crime and that I was feeling devalued and not loved, and I did this through counseling, I was then able to break the chains of this addiction and turn to God for being known and for being valued. And now when I feel devalued or unloved by people or situations in life, I now turn to God and I ask how Jesus sees me, how I'm valued by him and how he loves me. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It's, it's still not great to f be devalued by people or not right. loved or not known, right? But you know, now what happens is I realize that God invented me and designed me the way I am in his image, which is, that's a whole other podcast, right. right? That's crazy amazing. But he loves me the way that he designed me. And he has so much more for me while I'm here on earth. He wants me to step, take that next step towards him and step into all that he has for me, which is that's the point of this podcast, right. right? Like becoming the improved version of myself tomorrow than I better than I am today. So what if you what if you found yourself in a place like the rich young you? I mean, it didn't work out well for him. Yeah. So what what should he have done? I mean, so he had to give up all his money. So that's the only way he could get the kingdom of God. So how could he have grown? Yeah, how could saying? he have grown? I mean, or yeah. how how do we talk to the guys that are listening? To I, th this? I think in a simplistic sense. Yes, you can't really say no to that. Like, no, he could have disobeyed God and done it. But I think in a more complex sense, it's very clear in the Bible, like the kind of relationship we have with Jesus. You can come to Jesus and say, here's where I'm at, yeah. and I wanna, but I want to be there, you know? And I think Jesus so will taking ownership of it. I think taking ownership, but also praying a prayer of surrender. Like, I think there's a resistance before the resistance. There's the, I can't give that up, I can't do it. Right. But there's also the, and I don't want you making me the kind of person who would. And that's really what we're talking about when it comes to our relationship with Jesus is, what if he said, Lord, I don't know if I can bear that. Will you make me that kind of person? The answer is yes, but we don't want that. And that's why we keep proximity to Jesus. It's not always the situation. It's that we don't want to be fixed. You like sometimes, I'm not saying this was your situation, but with porn or lust or a physical relationship, like sometimes it's like, I don't want God to fix me. I like oh, yeah. my vices. Yeah, I, like I mean, our vices, vices feel good, right? They're yeah. com they become comfortable. So I can never go to the casino again? Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, for me, it was... I'm going to make you not even want to go to the casino. Oh, no. There right. you go. I don't want to be that guy. I make fun of that guy. Right. You know, you know. It goes back a couple podcasts where we're talking about, you know, becoming this spirit-filled person that that I, I'm afraid I, God's going to make me into something that I don't yeah. want to be. Well, and, and also, fear. Let, let's be honest, too. Like, I remember before I knew Jesus, I didn't want to be weird. I didn't want to be a weird Christian. Like, once I came to know Jesus, I was like, I don't want to be that guy, though. You know, whatever that guy is. And so sometimes it's even being afraid of that. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I think it's totally I don't want to look weird by giving up, you know. I remember my buddies and I used to go to the strip clubs all the time, and this is before I knew Jesus. And when I came to know Christ, we went to a bachelor party, and I hopped. I was that guy that Jonathan talked about last week. That wasn't 100% me, but I had him drop me off in my car before they went to the strip club. 
And for me, no one came with me. <laughs> no one followed yeah. me. But I didn't want to look weird, right? And and right. but sometimes God calls us to be uncomfortable right. in order to grow, in order to take that next step in our in our walk with yeah. Him. And and I think that's part of I'm probably gonna get in trouble for this, but I think it's part <laughs> of our society today. Sometimes we've got to, even though nobody's following us, we've got to walk away. We've got to do the hard thing. We've got to not have this controversial conversation for the sake of the relationship we have with other people. Yeah, that's actually I think that's one of the stairs that we get stuck on is I don't want to I don't want God to make me different than other people. Right. I mean look, look at Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. Frederick Douglass spoke in Abraham Lincoln's life and Lincoln took these steps. I mean, he was risking a lot by doing what he did. Right? I mean that that's a I mean, are we willing to risk things to go where God's calling us to go? To, but you have to go back to the scene of the crime and evaluate you have what to, is it that... What was the problem? And, and what am I unwilling to give up? What am I unwilling... Where am I unwilling to go? So what if we have a guy that's sitting there right now, sitting there mm-hmm. going, it's like, okay, I, kn- I don't need to go back to this. I know what it is. Yeah. And I don't know what to do. What do we tell him? What do we tell him to do? Yeah. How, how, do, how do you take those next steps with Jesus? I would just go back to what I said about... It's great when you quote yourself. I'd go back to what I said. It's one of the things I like the most about me. With Jesus, it's really not a matter of like, can I give that up? Am I there? But am I willing to let God in to start making me the person who will be there? Yeah. It's that initial resistance. And so I like for you, Scott, your your situation and your story, the like the it's almost hard to call yours a crime scene, right? Because it's this hurt that happened before you're a believer, but it, you know, so you become a Christian, but you go back to that initial brokenness and yeah. you let God work in it. Really, the solution is the moment you said, all right, God, like I'm going to let you go there and prune my heart and humble me and you know, relive some of this like, and, and really address it and all of that. Well, and for me, I felt I really did feel like that woman you know, in the, in the cast, the diabetic cast, uh, there was all this poop in my life that I—I I, I don't even know if it was my fault, right? Yeah, right. but still I needed, was there though. I needed Jesus to heal me. Right. I needed that Isaiah fifty fifty three healing, you know. That and this is what it says in Isaiah fifty three that He took the punishment that that made us whole, you know. Through His bruises we heal, and we all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've We've all done our own thing. We've all gone our own way, which is true. Like we try to fix right. it our way. Right. You use the substitutes of the world, whatever it might be. But God has piled all of our yeah. sins on Put himself. Put the trash bag over it. Right. And that's what I was doing. And it's like, no, no, no. Let Jesus take off the garbage bag. Let him cut off the cast. Let's assess the situation and let him put that healing ointment on it. Right. Yeah, right. the That's best awesome. the best thing for her is that she had to come to that appointment a week later. She had to. Imagine if she didn't. Right. Imagine if it was like, oh, when you, when you feel better, take your cast off. Hmm. You know, like every day she waited, she pushed it off, and the solution was only more difficult. And I think sometimes, like a lot of things are inevitable, but they're not so bad when we step into them now. Right. Yeah. I would say Looking I back. would say go back to the instructions. I know it sounds whatever, but it's like, let's go back to step one, you know, let's go back to step two. Oh, wait a minute. Why don't we go back to reading my Bible and saying, okay, God, I'm going to read in the book of John and I'm going to ask you a question. What do you want me to do? What do you want from me? And just taking ownership of of saying, I can't do this. Yeah. God can 
And so I think I'll let him. But I, I think that you just have to go. You have to get into his word. You need to be in a small group. You need to be in a, a fellowship. Wherever you go to church, where, wherever you're at in life, you you need to be in relationships. And so we probably should wrap this up. And so so the question we want to ask you, our audience, you're millions of people around the world, <laughs> uh, that that what's this? Where what what is your stairs? Uh, what prayer do you need to pray? What heart pruning needs to happen in order for you to keep going forward? What needs to happen? And, and ask yourself that question. And if you need to talk about it, uh, we, we you can call Jordy or... Jordy's number is 216. <laughs> <laughs> or, or email us. I mean, but but you can't do it alone. Yeah. And you can't do it without asking the hard question. If you And this wanna... may be the first time that anyone's ever even approached this. They may yeah. not even know Jesus. And they're saying, wait, how do I do this Jesus thing? And we would love to talk to you about that right, too. Right, right. It's it's a real simple process. It changes everything. I've been a Christian for forty some years, and God hasn't changed me into something I don't want. Yeah, I, looking I, back, you're always grateful. I've right? always been worried. Oh my gosh, I'm going to turn into that guy. And there's probably people that are hoping that I would turn into that guy, but <laughs> but he hasn't. He's allowed me to be uniquely myself. Amen. And and and. And he wants that for each one of you too. And so, we 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 just pray for you that you would say, "Hey, today's the day. Yeah, today's the day that I'm like, okay, I got to take that step. Yeah, go back to the scene of the crime. All right, guys, thanks for a, a great podcast. Have we'll a see great you next one. month. Bye, Jordy. See ya.